0: You're listening to Women
1: Making Waves. So, Susie, I believe you've been meeting another woman Making Waves.
0: Yes, Dr Tamson Brown. The poignant moment for me is when she went to see a careers advisor at school and she was told that she was, should never really go into medicine. But that made her all the more determined. Fantastic.
2: why don't we help these children? But actually now I'm really passionate about it because I think that um, if you look at how many female innovators there are, apparently it's around the 7% mark. Now I feel like I want to really support other women to feel like they they can take their ideas, their ever someone asked me to speak in in australia and i thought no one is ever going to ask me to speak <laughs> in australia we need to make better it systems we need to have apps in the right place Glue-ear is a really common condition in children under seven years old, really. It's where there's fluid or mucus that builds up behind the eardrum and it's normally in response to a cough or a cold. It could be an earache. And the glue refers to the fact that the fluid and mucus can get really thick and sticky if it sits there for a long time. And in fact, a lot of children have glue-ear at least once. So about 80%, they think, of children under the age of 10 have had at least one episode of glue-ear.
0: The actual shelf conduction headset how does it actually help children how, how does it benefit them what it's trying to do is that because the glue ear sits behind the
2: eardrum the function of the eardrum and the three little tiny bones that sit behind the eardrum is to make sound louder for a child the bone conductor uh, simply takes sound and turns it into vibration it sort of does the job of the eardrum and the middle ear bones and so it roots the vibration down the bones of the skull in fact which then reaches the cochlea and that's the inner part of the hearing that's not affected by glue ear so it just simply reroutes the sound around the problem
0: now this has been a bit of a journey for you hasn't it is it's it's (laughs) what was going to be a ninth month nine month research has taken you Two years, but of hard work and perseverance. How how did it all begin? Why did you want to invent <laughs> a bone shelf conduction headset? What made you want to invent this?
2: Well, I'm in a really privileged position where I work as a paediatrician but I also have a special interest in audiology so half the time I'm doing paediatric clinics and half the time I'm doing audiology clinics and I was starting to see that some of the children who had glue ear had uh, some of the developmental problems that we look out for like difficulties with attention and difficulties with focusing, uh, learning, speech and language development so I was sort of wired from my paediatric training to look for those things that I was doing in my audiology clinics. And then there was a lot of research that was coming out that was quite interesting. So I was already concerned about this group of patients because the national guidelines are that we have a watchful waiting approach, which means that we are have very conservative management. And watchful waiting means you keep an eye on it. You don't do anything particularly active to help. And I was watching children where, who had glue ear, whose hearing was dropping, and we were leaving them for long periods of time where they were either starting school or just at school and then they were struggling with their phonics or hearing what people were saying or their new speech and language with their new word. Even learning to focus on who to listen to, To even, you're learning to focus on the teacher.
0: This journey had challenges, big challenges, trying to persuade the NHS in particular <laughs> to fund this, not only fund the actual uh, headset, but actually to fund the research. Now you have a fantastic story to tell about how you went to some of the consultants to ask if you could uh, bring this idea on?
2: Well, I I just, I started by wondering how we could help this group of children. And it was, of course, bone conduction seems like the right approach. So I just, a lot of my colleagues, some of them uh, more audiology based or, and of course, to begin with, you keep saying, you know, why aren't we doing more to help just with the hearing over this period of time? It was interesting. People just thought it was not about that, that they it's not what we did, that
0: uh, it was nice, I thought, outside the box, but it wasn't. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> why um, Why? Why aren't we using this? You said the bed conduction. And, and you were told, this is unbelievable. You're told, no, we don't do that. It's nice you're thinking outside the box. <laughs> and it's all about digital hearing. Well, it is. Yeah. So hearing aids for
2: not for glue ear, but actually hearing aids are more for, cho- for children who have a permanent hearing loss. Of course, it is all about uh, digital hearing aids and they're coming out quite fast and they've got new bells and whistles on them is another exciting area of audiology that I think meant that people found it difficult to refocus on a different approach.
0: You said that, you know, communication and networking and persistence actually got you to another stage, that you were getting lots of no, no, no's. And Mm. then a friend of yours... (laughs) You were at a drinks party or something, is that right? And she literally put you up to it, didn't she? she? She put you next to a very prestigious ENT specialist.
2: Yeah, yes. I was um, standing next to this ENT surgeon. I'm sure he won't mind if I say it was Mr. Gray. I hadn't Met him before, and I, for want of something to say, said, There are so many children and they can't hear very well. And why don't we help them with bone conduction hearing aids? Why don't we have them? And he thought about it for about 20 seconds and said, Right, okay, what's your name? This is someone I'm going to introduce you to. I'd like you to write a proposal. I said, Right, yes, that's no problem. And went home, and I thought it sounded quite exciting. And I had to Google how to write a proposal. And then when I wrote it, I thought, Oh, everyone's gonna say what are you talking about but then they all went oh very sagely why don't you carry on then and try and get some funding then many funding applications later i got the first few i didn't write them very well i learned very fast on the job having had no particular research training in how to write these things but um eventually nailed it and got some funding and started to try out and um, a sort of cheaper type of bone conduction hearing aid on uh, children with glue
0: ear. There was some delay though in research because of a lengthy ethical approval process what would be most ethical about trying to get children to
2: hear patients has to go through this ethical approval system and it is hard it's well known that it is a really lengthy process I worry that it's a bit of a rate limiting step for research sometimes yes it took me six months and then the research itself took me a couple of years I was hoping it would take nine months as you said earlier
0: you have a family you are you have a job as well as being an inventor. Did it ever occur to you as a paediatrician and a community paediatrician that, that you would be an inventor? It honestly never, ever <laughs> occurred to me. But actually now I'm really
2: passionate about it because I think that um, if you look at how many female innovators there are, apparently it's around the 7% mark. If you look at how many women are in the NHS, for example, it's 77%. And I think in my particular... Um, NHS Trust, CCS, um, it's probably more like 90%. So now I feel like I want to really support other women to feel like they they can take their ideas. There. And the thing is, is when you're working in within a particular specialty, you can see how, and we're at the point now where the NHS is collapsing a little bit, and the only way that we're going to make it better is that we need to innovate how can we see three times as many patients in the same amount of time because we're not going to get any more money we're not doing well Mm. with funding Mm. i've i'm feeling like it maybe is the only way that we're going to save things because we need to make better it systems we need to have apps in the right place we need to get people to they do their shopping online they do everything else online we need to get them managing their own health online Mm.
0: Uh, And, and the headset itself your view is now that you want to you're trying to make an app with a headset just tell us a little bit about the the headsets and and you're connecting it with an app aren't you for children to interact
2: uh there there were some bone conduction headsets already on the market but they were prohibitively expensive really for the nhs to use on a regular basis is and so this one is a much cheaper um simpler lightweight bone conduction headset that's a fraction of that cost and the idea of it is that the headset would pair with the microphone so that the child could hear and then you this developmental skills that they're missing out on so that might be speech and language is a little bit delayed it might be that their listening skills need a bit of work it might be that their attention or their auditory memory and their auditory processing so how they're learning to put follow sets of instructions we could put games and audiobooks uh together so we've got a hear glue ear app that i've also managed to get funding for so that we can put something together that should be out later this year that's to support i hope all children with glue ear to have the right information and some way of developing some of the skills that might be affected by glue ear
0: now we talked earlier about you ever thinking you were going to become an inventor (laughs) not just be in the medicine role models have you have you got a role model
2: i definitely i i remember um I went for my careers advice at school and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd quite like to do sciences so I could, you know, try and give medicine a bash. The careers teacher said, my own child's very, very clever, but she didn't get in to do medicine, so (laughs) what do we think is going to happen to you? And that was what they said at 14. I was determined to prove her wrong. So in a completely reverse way, she did me a huge (laughs) favour... Because I worked really, really hard and I thought that maybe I wouldn't do it, but
0: I was going to try anyway. You have invented something. You have a job, you have a family and you had to work. You were working Sundays. You made sure that you planned this. Of course, It took you nine months to two years to do it. You worked Sundays. You worked in the middle of the evening, in the middle of the night.
2: It's the only way to... Mm. I mean, the only time that the house is quiet and that you can sit for some hours to Mm. work through your funding forms or ethical approval forms or trying to get the... uh, Headsets approved and safety approved and electrically approved is to do it all at midnight, really.
0: I mean, what does work mean to you? I mean, do you think the boundaries between home and work sometimes get blurred? You're so right. You're
2: so right about that. I've recently, so because of this research, I was asked to talk, for example, this year in... Um, uh, conference in Stockholm, in Sweden, and last year, for the first time ever, someone asked me to speak in in Australia, and I thought no one is ever going to ask me to speak. <laughs> In Australia, But then, of course, when I was in Australia, someone asked me to speak in Stockholm. So having thought that this would be my only chance to speak abroad, and I just thought, I don't know how to do all of this with a family, and I'm just going to have to bring them along with me. My kids do sometimes come and sit on a table, and they are very, very patient at waiting. And they're very good at understanding that I might be up late, and they come to the conferences with me. I don't know how women go, you know, with with children. How do you... How do you go to a conference? Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was Susie talking to Dr. Tamsin Brown. You started by saying that she hadn't taken advice mm. from her career. Imagine yeah. the careers advisor. Now, most 14-year-olds would simply have gone, OK, yeah, no. I can't do I and can't withered do away.
0: Now. Yes. Yeah, no, but what was so funny was I asked her for a role model and I got the opposite. It was not something I was expecting, mm-hmm. but she was very, very strong in saying that she rebelled against that advice. As you said earlier, who would do that? And she probably worked harder because she was told she couldn't do it. Yeah, and That's she great. thanked the the careers advisor for her honesty. Well, I'm not sure it was honest. I think it was a... I don't know what it was. It was a shocker of a, a piece of advice to say that because her own daughter didn't get into medicine, she would advise her the same not to do, the, get, yeah. do that too. I mean, too. maybe it was well meant.
1: Maybe yeah, her I'm daughter sure. had been absolutely destroyed. By the Linda, thing you're and...
0: so diplomatic. <laughs> I would have gone for that
1: one. <laughs> but maybe it's true. Maybe she, she'd seen her own daughter feeling awful at the end of it and thought, well, I'll spare her the same fate. Mm. Because I guess medicine's not for everyone. It's It's an incredibly difficult thing to go into. But she sounded great. She did, and she sounded
0: like she wanted to do it, even if she had gone to the careers advisor. She had her
1: own agenda. But I love the fact that she obviously had come up with this idea and she was really determined to go through with it and, and and being in the right place at the right time and networking is so important, isn't it?
0: Well, that's interesting because I don't think, and she would admit herself, that she wasn't very confident on two things. One was networking. It was only her friend that pushed her to Approached this very prestigious um, ENT specialist to talk to him. That was a great move by her friend and it really propelled her. And the second thing about her confidence was that she had no idea how to write a proposal and she did that by going on Google. Yeah. It's the way to do it, isn't it? But she was still wrought with unconfidence but then pushed herself and after numerous proposals, she did it. It's a real lesson, isn't it? It is. For all of us. Lesson to us all. Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.